tell us what we do. Light them up, drink them down. Whiskey and cigars all around. Cheers, y'all. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to this fine radio program, podcast, and video extravaganza known internationally as the world famous Smoking and Toasting. Welcome to episode number 315. That's 315, which puts us at the mark of being exactly halfway to 333. Very excited about that. That's going to be a fun show. That one's going to be a party. We're looking forward to that. that. Yep. 313, we invite everyone who's ever been on the show. And, uh, of course, everyone won't be able to make it, but generally speaking, a lot of people will. And uh, we'll all get together and do a show that goes on way too long and means that we'll need a lot of Ubers. Yes. Basically. It'll be, it'll be <laughs> Make sure quite, your Uber account is quite a blast. Our guest today is Sean Hanrahan. He's with Platypus Brewing Company. Welcome to the program, Sean. Thank you, boys. Thanks for having me. It is uh, always a pleasure to have you on. I am a big fan of your beer. And so I'm uh, excited we get to drink some of it and talk about it here on the program today. we got all kinds of stuff going on. But first, I want to say a big thank you to the Briar Shop in Houston's Rice Village. They were our hosts last week for the uh, On Location show mm-hmm. where we did the pipe show. And, oh, it was it was great fun. Those guys blast. really yeah. know their uh, their pipes. And once a year, we try to do a pipe show <laughs> just to, uh, you know, uh, try to mix it up a little bit. And they were they were awesome, and they were quite, uh, quite good to us. We'll be sampling uh, platypus. Uh, beers today on the program, and we'll also be doing a little whiskey tasting. I brought along some Hatozaki small batch Japanese whiskey. I see that. Yeah, so that's uh, I that's haven't tried that one. That's going to be very interesting. Yeah, I'm looking forward to it. So uh, we'll also talk about uh, some interesting things that are going on in the world of spirits and cigars and craft beer, uh, including um, a new study that points out that whiskey is actually good for you. I like that. Study we have already. to celebrate these things when they come out because we're we're constantly barraged with the negative, right? Uh, oh, oh, it's drinking is bad for you, and then, and of course, we're not trying to say that it's not. But sometimes something comes out that points out there's some positive as well, and I believe that has to be celebrated. You know, I really do. So we'll we'll get to that. We'll get to uh, our you know very popular segment here on the program that we like to call drinking news. This is where we bring you a, a story from the news that is uh, at least reported to be true. We don't we don't make them up. We don't take them from obvious parody sources. Uh, but these stories are sometimes not always uh, about drinking, but they are always best listened to when you've been. Drinking, And by the time we get to it, uh, we (laughs) will have been drinking. drinking. So looking forward to that. Today's uh, drinking news teaser headline. Please stand by for a message from the president. And uh, so we'll explain all of that and have all of that coming up. Uh, I want to talk a little bit about this last weekend, of course, was the big NFL game whose name shall not be mentioned for fear of having to write a check and send it to the NFL. (laughs) But one of the big things about the game is that people are always watching for the commercials. And there were a number of commercials for, uh, for beer. And I thought I thought several of them were interesting enough to comment on. One or two I'd seen before, but there were there were several. Right. I wanted to comment. The Anheuser Busch Corporation has just completely given up on trying to convince anyone 
of any reason to drink their beers that has to do with the way that it tastes. <laughs> they've just they've just thrown well, in the towel on it. They don't even it. bother they selling try. the liquid anymore. They don't even it's try. all about the packaging. Yeah, it, it's all it's about, about uh, it's all about easy to drink, easy to enjoy. That's the Michelob easy Ultra to enjoy. That's the Michelob Ultra slogan: easy to drink, easy to enjoy. You don't even have to think to enjoy it. Right, <laughs> right. You don't even have to. It's just mindless. As a matter of fact, you don't even just, have to think. It's just mindless beer water. Is what it is. <laughs> it's just it's for those who you know. I suppose that's why it's easy, right? Because it isn't actually beer. <laughs> and then there was uh, it was a very interesting uh, beer commercial. From Miller Coors. Oh, yes, that one. And it was Miller Light versus Coors Light. And it was supposed to be, you, you were like, uh, I remember watching it thinking, what's going on? And in the end, <laughs> it turns commercial out. commercial is this right, Whose yes. commercial is this? And in the end, it turns out it was actually a commercial for Blue Moon. Only thing is, Miller, Coors, and Blue Moon are all owned by they're, the Miller Coors the company. Thing, yes, yes. But I think, to the people who don't know that, I, I would I would think that would have been wildly confusing right you know and and what what did blue moon have to do with any of it uh, it was just i don't know it's just literally and i realized that craft beer even the bigger craft beers like you know sam adams or sierra nevada they don't have the dollars it's going to take to buy an ad in the super bowl but if you if you watched those beer ads it it kind of Leads you to why people are drinking seltzers and other stuff. Like, 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 why would you? You know, why would you drink that? It's just I remember back in the old days, Budweiser. All the ads were the king of beers, right? Uh-huh. And and Miller Lite tastes great, less filling. Like yeah, they yeah. were at least trying to sell you on. They the had to beer. go with truth and advertising on that one, so they had to stop doing the whole taste <laughs> <I> great <laughs> thing. <laughs> they had to stick Miller Lite, less filling. Less filling. <laughs> That's it. And Thank now they you. got Michelob Ultra for that. Yeah. Oh man. So, so yeah. So uh, I watched a great easy uh, to drink, easy to enjoy. I watched a great vlog. It was uh, uh, an English gentleman. Tasting American macro brews, oh, he's blind man. tasting them. Yeah. When he got to the, um, when he got to the uh, Michelob Ultra, he was just so confused. It was hilarious. <laughs> I'll have to see if I can find that. That would that be vlog. good. We'll, yeah. we'll have to we'll have to share that. That's wonderful. <clears throat> well, and you remember when we did our uh, light beer blind taste test? What was the what was the one? The Bud Light Lime or Bud whatever? Bud Light Lime. Oh. We all thought it tasted like Lemon Pledge, but I voted for it because it was the only one that had flavor. <laughs> it, it, <laughs> well, was, it made out a big good flavor, it but was it furniture had some. polish flavor. But at least it had some. You're you're 100 right. So. Well, uh, hopefully today we'll have some beers that aren't so easy to drink, but I'm betting they'll be easy to enjoy. There we go. There we go. It's a wonderful just, little segue there. Yeah. I, I, but, but I mean, seriously, it's like, imagine if if there could have been an ad, like if somehow the NFL had been forced to gift an advertisement to, you know, a winner of some sort of like, you know, beer competition and a craft beer was was in there. Think how great that would that would have been to see something like that. You could just actually show a person having that beer and enjoying it, like yeah. drinking it. You know, like wow, this is really good. The <laughs> flavors, even have to say anything. The flavors, mm. <laughs> yeah, that would have been. It'd just be a silent commercial, just like the smile and the. It's kind of like car. <laughs> it's it's kind of like car commercials. They're no longer about the car. They're about. Uh-huh. Somebody driving that, that through electric, the mountains or whatever. That electric uh, Chevy electric vehicle mm-hmm. commercial. Yeah, yeah. Where, like, they're going to be featured in a bunch of Netflix things. What 
Does it tell me anything about your vehicle? Oh, great. Like that, that makes me want to buy your vehicle? Exactly, exactly. So, yeah, these are the situations we find ourselves in. Although in the, the uh, electrical dysfunction one, mm -hmm. the, uh, the uh, Ram one was pretty funny. Yeah, there were a few good ones. Overall, <laughs> I thought funny. the uh, I thought that the uh, in general, the, the commercials were just about as disappointing as the outcome of the game. That was how I felt about it. Oh, so. man. How, how, did you, how did you feel about the halftime show? Uh, well, I'll say this. At least the United States military was able to put that Chinese weather balloon they shot down to good use. Because I'm pretty sure Rihanna was wearing it. <laughs> oh, there you go. I think, I think they dyed it red, that was, that and that's a, what she was, that was wearing. That was lame. I, I actually was dozing. I had to stand up and go, I like, like stretch Rihanna. and go get a beer. I, I was like, like Rihanna, this is... but that was pretty awful. Cause you, know, you know what it seemed to me? Sorry, it, seemed it, like, it seemed like that, that Rihanna was like... <clears throat> you know, it's cooler than 20 people dancing. A hundred <laughs> and 20. <laughs> and those dancers were like hoofing it. Rihanna barely moved, but the dancers were like, they were jumping and swinging their arms up and down. I mean, it was well, the big was question that came from that is, is Rihanna pregnant? Oh, uh, she obviously is. <laughs> like, has There's, to be, yeah. She has to be. Did yeah. they answer that finally? Yeah. Yes, yeah. I did. Yeah. There is a great meme on the internet of uh, Elmo from Sesame Street. And and he's singing the uh, "Better Have My Money" song, and uh, he's just kind of like barely moving the way Rihanna was uh, as he as he's, it's it's pretty good. Look up, look up Elmo Rihanna, and you'll find it. Uh, so. So, and then the whole the whole moment where she turns around and grabs her ass, I was like, oh, come on, <laughs> yeah. it's not working. Yeah, no, it's really, really, really. You know hard. what though? Let me go ahead and say Rihanna probably makes more money than I do. So good on you, girl. Well, she's go. gonna make a lot of money today because her stuff's going through the roof on yeah. streaming media. And all oh, that kind but, of stuff. Yeah, so yeah, it'll yeah. be it, it'll be big. So, um, so I had an interesting cigar during the Super Bowl, um, but that's not the one I'm going to talk about. I'm talk about a different one today because I've already talked about the one I had during the Super Bowl. But uh, I was wondering if you had an opportunity to smoke anything interesting. I did. Week. I actually uh, went by Casa today mm -hmm. and uh, picked out a cigar we that like um, that I don't think I've talked about before. I think it slipped under my radar recently and. Mm -hmm. And I just hadn't talked about it. It was the Rocky Patel Edge 20th anniversary. Ah, the 20th anniversary. Nice. And I don't remember why it was on my mind. Did you talk about it I think recently? we mentioned that it was coming out back uh, a while back. That was a while, a while back, back, right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I picked one up. Uh, I picked up the Robusto 5.5 by 50 uh, ring gauge. Um, it's constructed of a 10-year aged uh, Ecuadorian Sumatra wrapper. Uh, the binder and filler were Nicaraguan and Honduran. That's pretty much all the information I got, mm -hmm. even on the... Rocky Patel website, they're like, it's just this stuff. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Well, you know, there was never a lot of information about Edge when it first came out. Now, this one, they, this Edge yeah. has two bands. Mm, that's a big instead deal. Instead of one. The original Edge didn't have just any had bands. The footer, and, right? and then it just had a footer. Yeah. So this had the footer on it and just said 20th anniversary. And it had this really beautiful uh, Edge band, um, uh, you know, in a, in a traditional place. Mm -hmm. uh, it was a pretty large band. Probably between the band and the footer, it, cut, it covered probably a third to. Uh, almost a half of the cigar so that's a change for the edge yeah. <clears throat> that is a change and it's a real beautiful cigar i mean the uh the the the, the wrapper on this is this ruddy dark brown like just kind of dark brown reddish thing uh silky smooth and oily like like shiny oily it was absolutely gorgeous with a firm feel overall um the pre-light sniff on this had uh fermented hay rich leather and light notes of coffee the pre-light draw. I used a punch mm -hmm. on this. I have this beautiful punch on my. I don't have it. I have this beautiful punch on my keychain now mm -hmm. that someone gave mm -hmm. me. Um, and uh, 
Uh, I got um, I used a punch. I had a medium draw on it. it had rich, tangy leather notes, uh, slightly fruity, and some light coffee notes coming out of the uh, pre-light draw. The initial light, bright, punchy citrus and pepper spice, tangy leather. Uh, the retro hail is spicy pepper and leather uh, right off the bat. The first third, I will tell you if you uh, if you get this cigar and you light it, it is big when you light it like you know how you get the mm -hmm. pepper blast yep yep this was this was big and almost to the point of harsh but i kind of like the i like the bigger flavors it was so. like big tobacco basically big yeah. tobacco mm -hmm. when you light it now it did settle down a little bit the first third of this <clears> came <throat> into uh leather and spices including black pepper cayenne cinnamon a little cardamom kind of flavor on that and i don't know why cardamom popped in my head but i'm assuming that's what i was tasting because that's what popped in my head um so if I'm making that up, well, you know, sorry. Um, <laughs> and uh, cardamom all on a citrus background. A retro hail is peppery with oak and mocha. Solid ash, good burn. Uh, the second third of this cigar, uh, moving on, leather and spices settle in and remain uh, constant while a bit of mocha sneaks in. I got a little mocha on the... Um, on the retro hail on the first third, but it didn't really have the, the flavor of it in the cigar, but it kind of snuck in in a really pleasant way. Uh, oak and citrus are always present with a, uh, and a bit of toast uh, weaves in and out. The retro hail is peppery with mocha and oak, solid ash, great burn. The uh, last third of the cigar, tangy leather and cayenne kind of stay up front while mocha becomes more prevalent. A hint of coffee shows up and pairs well with the pepper and toasty notes. Citrus and oak remain constant. Retro hail is sweet mocha, oak, and coffee. So one of the fun things about this is that mocha kept getting more in there. Mm -hmm. and the cigar right. actually got sweeter. Still stayed peppery. I mean, it's still a big cigar. You know, if you're if you're a light to medium guy, don't buy this. This is on the big side. This is definitely at least in full. Um, the uh, the uh, solid ash, great burn all the way through. Um, it wasn't razor tight, but it was a great burn all the way through. This cigar cost me eleven dollars for robusto. Um, I really enjoyed the flavor profile. I give it a solid five. Nice. Uh, nothing nothing down about that I, mean, I think it's on par with what you'd expect to spend eleven dollars sounds to me like it was a little more nuanced than um what i remember i used to smoke the edge a lot when right. it first came out and i didn't remember you know, i loved the flavor but it didn't change and morph as much yeah, was, as what you're describing it was a bit for of a one-trick one. pony it was also one of the more budget level mm -hmm. cigars oh, yes, too but it was a good was. thing that it did like yeah, it did absolutely. that one it's like a hammer it just did one job but it did it well yeah, yeah absolutely well i picked up one i hadn't tried before uh, when we were at the briar shop last week uh it's the mcauliffe herencia habano torpedo a five and a half by 52 beauty that's box pressed sports a chocolate brown habano wrapper from nicaragua while using an ecuadorian sumatra binder and filler tobacco from nicaragua and honduras the herencia habano is said to embody the heritage of the Gomez Sanchez family, which I, I think is tobacco uh, growers and rollers going mm. back a number of generations. Uh, the McAuliffe website talks about their creative use of the Habana leaf, which mm. is the wrapper they use in this, as being evidence across the line and describes this cigar as where it all kind of like really comes together. So some floral notes and tea leaf were evident for the pre-light sniff, and I got pretty much the same on the cold draw once I snipped the cap with my cigar scissors. Also a dang but very nice, subtle note of earth or maybe even mushrooms. You know, you know that um, we're, right, yeah. we're gonna be kind of hard to tell which. Uh, I used my torch to light it up, and while there was no Nicaraguan pepper blast, just like there's no 
Nicaraguan Pepper Blast song. Uh, I'm feeling but maybe, some suggestions But maybe one here. day. Uh, anyway, uh, there was no Nicaraguan Pepper Blast at all, but there was a nice hit of flavor, really on the very first few puffs. Cedar was the first thing on the palate, followed by a graham cracker note and a hint of citrus zest, a very gentle white pepper note on the retrohale. I was expecting the construction to be really good on this cigar. But it started to canoe almost immediately. Oh, no. And so that's when one side burns a lot faster than the other, as you'll see in this. Uh, yeah, as you'll see in this. Uh, uh, we're going to need a bigger boat. Uh, <laughs> as you see in the, in the photo here, you see where the canoe starts. And, and I let it go for about an inch to see if it would correct itself. And alas, had no such luck. So I flicked the ash off, which was very flaky, by the way, and set, uh, set about doing my best to correct it with the lighter, realizing that this would kind of be make or break for this cigar. It burned a little hot for a few minutes after the touch-up, kind of obliterate, obliterating the flavors that I had been picking up. And I tried to remain patient. Patience, as my wife will tell you, not a particularly uh, good strength for me. But that's one of the reasons that I love cigars so much, because uh, they help me kind of sit down and relax. Uh, as you always say, you can't hurry up and smoke a cigar. Uh, uh, but having to constantly tend one, though, doesn't help put no, you in that in that space, right? Once the harshness from my attempt to correct the burn kind of faded, second third of the Herencia Habano continued with the cedar, added a hint of baked bread and the return of the floral notes that I had gotten a little hint of on the pre-light. Unfortunately, the canoeing continued and even got worse in the second third, as you'll see here, forcing me to hit it with the lighter again and endure the harshness of a relight penalty. Oh. At five and a half inches long, I now had to wait for the harshness uh, for, from attempting to correct the flame to dissipate twice, and this was not looking good. The flavors at the halfway point, once the Herencia Havano calmed down again, were really quite good. More savory notes joined in as I got closer to the final third, toasted nuts, a bit of saltiness, and the complexity didn't stop it from having a nice creaminess on the finish. Either the cigar finally decided to cooperate, or I did a better job with the second touch-up, because it finally started burning a little more e evenly. Final third was by far the most enjoyable part of the cigar once the burn started to behave. So I really enjoyed parts of this cigar. The flavor blends and complexity were excellent uh, when they weren't being masked by the harshness of that additional flame. Right. Uh, it was almost like a relight penalty, even though the cigar never actually went out. I'm seriously hoping these burn issues were just this particular stick. I have a feeling it's it's not something that's rampant within this line of cigars. Because I think I'd, you'd hear about it or read about it right. if it were, right? Uh, but uh, I would have been extremely pleased with this if it hadn't been for having to touch it up and then endure. Not that touching up bothered me so much. It was the harshness that came right. after, which doesn't happen with every cigar, by the way. But in this case, it did. Uh, the McAuliffe Herencia Habano Torpedo is an 11 to $12 smoke. And this particular one was not worth it. Although I suspect that with the construction issues, you know, I, I, without the construction issues, I probably would have thought that it was. Uh, I will totally try this cigar again in hopes that it was a one-off problem. So I'll recommend it in hopes of that. But my experience with this one, price to quality, have to give it a four. Uh, this it is a wonderfully complex cigar with great flavors. But if you don't get to enjoy them for 
like a third of the yeah, cigar. If for you're the, so distracted right. from it, and and it wasn't like six bucks; it was twice that. Right. So, uh, so there's my thought. Price to quality, as you guys know, uh, it's a one to ten scale, but five means you get exactly what you paid mm-hmm. for. So I felt like I overpaid on this one a lot, but I will smoke another one. We'll see. We'll see what happens. All right, we got to take a break because when we come back, it's beer sampling time, and the beer in question is from Platypus Brewing Company here in our hometown. This of is Houston. a questionable animal too. Yes. A very questionable animal. We'll be right back. Nice. Welcome back. It's Smoking and Toasting, where we do all of our own sound effects, and we love it that way. It is uh, a program all about craft beer, fine spirits, and hand-rolled cigars. Craft beer will be uh, the subject here uh, immediately as we welcome back uh, on the show Sean Hanrahan with Platypus Brewing Company. Sean, let's get this out of the way first. Where are you from? place called Brisbane. So it's Brisbane. Uh, about halfway up on the East Coast. So it's and, and nice is and Brisbane the second largest city in Australia after Sydney or? No, that it'd be Sydney, Melbourne, then Brisbane. Okay. Yeah. Right. Melbourne so. was, is, is, okay, gotcha. And, and uh, <clears throat> what uh, brought you to the United States? Oh, look, very originally uh, back in the early days was oil and gas, a bit like everyone else. Sure. Yeah. Uh, and Especially then, in this part of the country, yeah, right? Especially mm-hmm. in this part of the country. So, I worked for a very, a very large uh, mining and oil and gas company, Australian company, and I was sent over here as, as a young fella and, and um, cut my teeth, as they say, in the oil and gas industry. And then my lovely wife is, is from Houston. So we were married, went back to Australia, and then made a decision back in about 2013 to move back. Okay. And in 2015, we arrived. And... Um, yeah, midlife crisis later, platypus was born in 2016. <laughs> so, so you, this really is one of those uh, breweries that that stemmed from. I just don't want to do this other job anymore. I want to make beer, right? <laughs> well, is that, it's it's interesting. It's it's a bit of a mix of that of both of all of that. So we, Ruchna, my wife and I, were looking to do this in Brisbane. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, it's interesting. Now, uh, I, I want to come back to that because I want to ask you about the the craft beer scene in Australia. Sure, but. We are fortunate that you decided to do it here because I don't Thank get you. to Australia all that often. So, <laughs> yes, unfortunately, I don't either. Um, well, I'm heading back sh- shortly, but um, yeah, we we brought it here, and and for the fortunes of life, we made a decision, a family decision, to to move back this way, and so we put our brewery plans on hold. Uh, mm-hmm. I'm basically. We moved here in 2015, and then I had this feasibility study that I I had done in Brisbane looked at the craft brew scene in 2015 in Houston and went, hang on, there's a gap here. I think there's a gap. So, And we already have this plan ready to go. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. Um, you know, nine months, eight months later, uh, we had a lease and, and away we went. <laughs> so so this wasn't one where you were already brewing it in the garage or the basement and then moved it out to uh, a location. You, you basically said, I'm going to start a brewery, and you got a space and started a brewery. Is that right? Correct, yeah, yeah. and hired a, a good professional brewer from California. She came out and helped me with uh, some of that formulation. I mean, mm-hmm. we knew some of the flavors and so forth that we wanted to shoot for and use some Australian ingredients, but um, – but in terms of all of that and and the restaurant and everything that went with it, it's that was our original vision. That's what we wanted to do, and we went. 
and grabbed it. We're about to try, try something that I won't say near as awesome as you will, but this is the Bobby Dazzler. I'll let you say it Well, once. yeah, I was going to say please have him say it because <laughs> the accent makes it in this particular yeah, it's, beer. It's the Bobby Dazzler. There yeah. it is. There we go. There it is. So what is a Bobby Dazzler? Because Because that's... <clears throat> That's an Australian term, right? Yeah, well, actually, it's probably more of an English term that Australia has adopted. And okay. it, it's more of a, a bobby dazzler. It's an older term now, but if you had a nice coat or, you know, you look nice, you look like a bobby dazzler. It's just something okay. that was so nice a, and shiny and, yeah. and and well put together. Like Rihanna on the halftime show at <laughs> the Super Bowl. She was a bobby dazzler. <laughs> she was. And that tent she was so wearing. Bright, we're like going to put you in dazzler. red, and then we're going to put a red background. No one's going to notice you at all. Yeah, exactly. Which I think <clears throat> may have been what she was going for. Uh, but uh, but I digress. So this is a blonde ale. Is that correct? Yes, yeah, so it's a blonde ale. Um, brewed with uh, some Australian hops, uh, topaz. Mm-hmm. And this this is just the nice, easy... It's different from an American blonde ale, and that just has a little bit more flavour. So, mm-hmm. if you're used to some of uh, the blonde ales that we've we've had around here, um, you know, great, good mouthfeel, uh, quench the thirst in the middle of a July, August in, in Houston, definitely hits the hits the mark. What we wanted to do, to do was have a little bit more sort of Aussie flavour in this, and mm-hmm. have a you know, not for the alcohol because it's still only uh, a four and a half, four point seven percent alcohol. So it's easy to drink from a craft beer perspective. Is it? Is it easy to enjoy? Absolutely. <laughs> okay. easy so it's easy to drink and easy to enjoy. <laughs> but unlike other products you may have heard about with that slogan, this actually has flavor to it. So this, uh, this is <laughs> blonde right. ale. Like what I noticed from this uh, versus other blonde ales, he says different. Is I noticed the fruit notes right up front. Yes. Yes. Um, there's, there's a I little, think of blonde ales that... as being more more of a wheat. Profile, or or, a, uh, or, or sometimes or, a light malty kind right. of thing going on right up front, which I enjoy. But uh, but the fruit comes up front with the malt on this, and that's the biggest difference. And then there's a a really nice crisp finish to it that that uh, polishes off. I see. Also, it's not hugely carbonated. I noticed that's mm-hmm. just easy on the palate. Yeah, so we, easy we, to drink. We did put some local uh, honey in this as well, just to give oh, it yeah, a I nice, can, I can nice detect that. Yes, absolutely. Mm. And uh, you mentioned that you used an Australian hop. What was the name of that hop again? Topaz for this. Topaz. One. So, uh, is that something that I mean? Is that difficult for you to get it shipped all the way here? Does that wind up being more expensive than if you used, you know, Citra or Simcoe or something else? Yeah, well, in terms of the Citra and Simcoe or some of the other U.S. hops that you have, which we do use in other beers, they're, mm-hmm. they're magnificent. Um, you now, we needed an Aussie brand on this, and there are some good distributors up in the, the north northwest mm. who we can grab our Aussie hops we'll Bring through. it in to yeah. the country, yeah. and then you can get it. That's, in, that's good. In terms of price points, yeah, they're probably priced a little bit more, as you would anticipate for an import. Um but we just feel that that's you know it's it's really quintessential to our brand to have that point of difference. Gives it its character, yeah, for sure. I like your uh, slogan on here says "brewed with uh, Texan heart and Australian soul." I like Absolutely, it. yeah, I like it. and it's a nice blend of who we are. So my wife being um, sort of uh, brought up in Texas, and and uh, me being the Aussie, of course, uh, it's a nice combination. So. <laughs> so talk to us about the the platypus. This is your this is your thing. This is your brand. It's your it's your image. It's also the weirdest animal on the <laughs> it's planet. It's a bizarre critter. <laughs> it really, it sure. is. Uh, what made you choose that? It, it, first of all, are, are platypi? Is it platypi? Is that the plural? It's actually platypuses. Platypuses. So yeah, platypuses. Yeah, that's, not, that's not what I was going to say. But okay, are <laughs> <laughs> platypuses? Uh, are, are are they in Australia? Is that where they originated, or came? we don't know where they originated? God only knows what what happened. <laughs> but but can you find them in Australia? Is that a thing? 
Yeah, absolutely. I mean, uh, few and far between and, and very much endangered with uh, lifestyle and, and creep urban creep. Uh, yeah. However, they are indigenous to Australia and that's generally They're the only place, you'll, okay. you'll, only place you'll find them. So the Australian government's quite protective of having them outside the country. I do believe there's one in San Diego or something, but you won't find too many zoos around the world where, where the platypus uh, is imported. So they <laughs> keep it very much in the backyard. Yeah, very much so. Right. Uh, it's, it's, a, it's just such an interesting animal because it makes it, it defies all the rules of, of species, right? Uh, very much so. Yeah. And so it's, it's, it's fascinating. But I, I love it because right away, as using this as your symbol, as your brand, you're saying, "Yeah, we're going to be a little different than yeah. some of the other uh, craft beers." And I think that's, uh, I, I, I think that's really cool. Was that's Bobby it. Dazzler your first uh, beer that you brewed? Yes, it was uh, one of the first that we had on our on our original sheet. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah, and it's it's really, it was it was a new beer for 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 Houston really because uh, it had a little bit more flavor than than mm-hmm. Houstonians were used to. But we stuck with it. We figured this is what we wanted to do. Aussies in Houston love it. They, oh, they cool. gravitate towards it. They go, it reminds a, me of home. Nice. Is there a big Australian community in uh, Houston? There is quite large, uh, yeah. especially with uh, oil and gas, but also some uh, in the in the medical as well. So um, yeah, we're, we're everywhere, man. We're I'm, everywhere. I, I have been to your um, uh, to your location. Uh, in fact, had a birthday party yeah, there that my that wife threw. That we had a wonderful time. Great food, great uh, great beer, obviously. Um, but back then, I don't recall seeing you as much in local stores. Now I see your cans, not mm. only, uh, obviously, at Specs and Total Wine and places like that, but they're also in the, my little Phoenicia store downstairs in my building and even in some of the grocery stores. How difficult was that for you guys to bring that about? Did you find that the... The stores were interested in stocking you. Were they interested in having more diversity in, in different brands, or Just, or is it something you, you really had to fight for? Yeah. yeah, right. Yeah, that's right. And look, um, some of the look, it wasn't. Um, I wouldn't say it was overly difficult. They're very interested in the brand because it's it's a unique brand and it's local. And uh, you know, everyone was uh, or still is hyper local in terms of of craft beer. Um, but going into that distribution game, you know. Do it with your eyes open. These these are large organisations that expect it done in a certain way, and and um, they all have their own separate and very different ways of doing it. Mm-hmm. So you need to have your organisation set up to be able to satisfy that as well. So whether it's a Whole Foods, a Specs, Total Wine, HEB, Kroger's, yeah. and whomever else. Mm-hmm. So it's um yeah you, you must ensure that you're um that you're managing that properly and and have have the right organisation for that. And did you guys see a jump in sales when you started showing up? more uh, in uh, let's say the grocery stores and stuff as opposed to just uh, just when you're selling it at the brewery and in the beer and wine stores yeah definitely in in terms of of the distribution we did see a jump of course truncated a little bit by uh, 2020 and 2021 yeah. sure and, and right, the right. There. yeah so that's it's an interesting one the old black swan uh, economic theory come, <laughs> comes in there uh, but we are seeing certainly a lot of brand recognition around town that's um, cool and that's what you know that's obviously you guys, what we're looking uh, for. When, when uh the lockdown happened in 2020 did you end up selling a lot of beer out the door so to speak well it was interesting a lot of places were doing that they were, but because we had the restaurant, we were able to stay open. Um, oh, I right, didn't even yeah. think about it. Yeah, you mm-hmm. guys got a great restaurant there. Thank too. you very much. Yeah, and you know we didn't have to go and scramble and get a food license. And, so you guys, right. you guys have a full on like real deal restaurant. This is not like pub food, but right. it's not like uh, 
chips and a can of Fritos uh, uh, <laughs> right. and cheese. You know what I'm talking he's, about? He's that, a, that Fritos cheese stuff. Pretzel. Yeah. yeah, right. <laughs> That's right. Yeah, no, it really is. Your your food is very good there too. Thank you. Um, um, I I was wondering how you view as as time has gone by, and especially in the time since lockdown, the lockdown portion of COVID, it seems like. Things are becoming, in terms of craft beer, much more and more and more hyper local. Uh, people, in in fact, it's it's even even feels like in some cases it's down to neighborhoods now. Like people yeah. are people are more supportive of the craft breweries in their own neighborhood. And uh, if you don't live in the Heights, you don't go to the ones in the Heights as much or whatever. Um, uh, are you? Do you see that uh, from your perspective? And do you think it's a good thing for? the craft beer industry overall or do you think this fascination with what's brand new what's hyper local uh, does it detract from craft beer in any way yeah it's it's a really interesting question with a lot of elements uh in terms of do we see uh, a lot of hyper local absolutely uh we do in there's some great neighborhood pubs around in houston now that mm-hmm. are that are craft breweries and they're certainly always geared to that to that level we've always taken a different approach uh yes we're a craft brewery but as important we're a restaurant and we were just mentioning before we actually have liquor a full bar as well now Mm -hmm. so Mm -hmm. we've always been about the diversification so to provide certainly in a in a foodie city a number of different elements right to the experience and you that distinguishes you because where you're located too you have holler brewing is right around the corner you have uh, buffalo bayou is right around the corner that's correct yes uh and you got so you got some some steep competition there uh uh, but you kind of have a nice niche there because Holler has no food that I know of. of Not on – oh, um, they, they might have it brought on site. Yeah, yeah, don't a food truck or whatever. Uh, Buff Brew, Buff Brew as they call it, Buffalo Bayou, is now a big, giant thing with its own restaurant and stuff. And you guys are kind of fitting like that nice little – I don't want to be that busy, but I do want some food. And you got a great restaurant on top of that. It's a nice little spot to be, I think. Yeah, thanks very much. Mm-hmm. And. And as I said, adding the liquor on in 2021, I think we put we added that. We just added another dimension to the experience. So uh, we don't deliberately go out and do things first in Texas, but unfortunately, for some reason, it keeps happening and we sort of <laughs> scratch our heads and go, how? Whether it was wine or now liquor, but, uh, you know, that's where it is. We've geared our business to be that You guys wine. had been doing wine before, right? We did wine yeah. uh, from the get-go. Right, yeah. Yeah, it was always yeah. part of our vision. So. Um, one of the things I've noticed about you guys is – that you're not one of those breweries that's constantly got something new and then something new again next week. Uh, or you, you really seem to have stayed more to kind of like your flagship brands. Is that by design? Is it, uh, is it something, what do you think about the breweries that are constantly putting out something new and then six weeks later you can't find it? Oh, I, I personally love it. I mean, yeah. you know, I, I've got a good friend of mine who owns a brewery up in Portland and it's exactly what he does. He has small batch mm-hmm. uh, brewing and, and it's it's fantastic. It's just a, a whole different experience each time I go. Yeah, yeah. Uh, for us, we have you know larger tanks and geared geared a bit differently to that. And mm-hmm. you know we still have you know we might have thirteen beers on tap uh, at the moment and, and some new stuff coming back. And then you know we just each quarter we will have some uh, some new new styles coming through. And out, how of, many, your, out how, of your thirteen, how many make it into uh, oh. source? Oh, great question! Uh, look, we've we've paired it back to simplify, and mm-hmm. so we have uh, two two that will be in the stores all year. That'll be the Bobby Dazzler, and the next one that will uh, mm-hmm. that will 
uh, taste, which is the Mexican lager, and then we'll change out each quarter a specialty. Uh, a so, third uh, beer. That's right. Yeah. So okay. three beers really at any one mm-hmm. point in time. Does that make it easier for you to compete for shelf space that you're not asking for 16 SKUs? or uh, Exactly right. And uh-huh. that's, that's exactly what we did last year uh, to simplify it. And, you know, this is our niche. This is what we want to do. We're not necessarily competing with all these guys. For us, it's brand awareness. Mm -hmm. That simplifies our business and makes it very pointed. And uh, and this is after consultation as well with with our customers um, as to what they want to see and what what works for them as well. Well, so. I will tell you the Bobby Dazzler is wonderful. This is not only not only uh, unique, I think, as uh, as a blonde ale, but it's it's just just really got I think more flavor than a lot of blonde. It, it has ales rapid do. evaporative properties. Yeah, as either well. that or I've got a thing going on with my cup. I mean, <laughs> I'm, there may be a hole in it. I'm not. Uh, yeah. I'm not completely sure about that. But no, it it really is the the complexity of the flavor in in this is, I think more than what I'm used to with most uh, with most blonde ales. Uh, so that makes me give it a big thumbs up because I'm not looking for easy to drink, easy to enjoy. I'm looking for a beer experience. You know what I mean? I want to I want to savor this. I, I don't want to. It's not about just easy to toss it back. Yeah. Although this is a very drinkable beer, but but there's flavors this is what I'm getting getting to. And to me, that's the whole reason the craft beer scene is interesting because it's about the experience and the flavors and not just about like, oh, yeah, those are cold. I'll drink one. You know what I mean? Uh, and and it's, it, to me, that's that's what makes it all kind of uh, worthwhile. So, uh, well, this is wonderful. We'll try something else coming up in the next segment. And we still have more to talk about, including, by the way, proof that whiskey is good for you. Yes, I'm not kidding. Not making it up. I can't we wait to hear this. For you. We'll, uh, we'll get to that coming up. It's Smoking and Toasting, all about craft mm. beer, fine spirits, and hand-rolled cigars. <laughs> Welcome back. It's Smoking and Toasting. What happened over there? What's this sweet smell like beer? Yeah. <laughs> Uh, that's not a bad thing, by the way. That's not when a bad I, when thing. I, when I popped open the beer, it kind of spritzed. Yeah. All right. Well, that happens. That happens. Uh, so I, I wanted to ask you about this, uh, Sean, while we have you here. Uh, I read a couple of articles that indicate that even though more hops has been grown and harvested over the past, uh, uh, you know, five to 10 years because of the explosion of craft beer and people becoming interested in hops, that apparently last summer in Europe, was a, a less than expected harvest, and the the articles that I had had read said that that could actually affect the taste of your favorite beer. Do you see that as uh, as as being a thing, or or is it one of those things where they try to scare you uh, and and you know make you feel like oh no? I wouldn't overthink it too much. I mean, we can blend hops, right? And the big guys right. definitely do blend hops because it's a, a product that does change uh, from year to year uh, mm-hmm. on a specific brand of hop. So they'll the big guys will do hop tastings. They'll blend it. And we, to a certain level, can do the same. So. And, and that's a lot like, I think... So you keep it very consistent. Yeah, yeah well, I was right. just, It's a lot like cigar tobacco, right? right. You, you formulate a certain blend and it's based on the tobacco from that year's harvest. And then next year's harvest... That same tobacco may be a little different. You may have to tinker with the blend a little bit to get it back to what you 
think that particular cigar is well, supposed I think to taste anything like. That you, and, and same here with hops, right? Anything that you handcraft that you're going to make large batches of is going to, whiskey does that, you know, I mean, even even down to the restaurant. I'm sure you get this in your restaurant where sometimes you don't get the same greens or you don't get the same yep. uh, mm-hmm. beef or whatever it is that you have to kind of adapt and make it work. Exactly right. Yeah. In- interesting. Well, maybe that's why the, uh, the uh, what was it, the Big and Bright from Carbach? Maybe that's why it isn't nearly as good as it used to be. That is probably it could be but it could, it could also be. just be cutting down on costs that's, costing well, that's exactly that's what it was we know uh, that for a fact Anheuser bush when they bought them said yeah don't use that much grapefruit yeah, yeah. they also yeah. said yeah you don't need this lager anymore that was one of the better lagers that i even knew of oh you're talking about the, the lager, uh, sympathy for the right? lager yeah. yeah yeah it's completely gone from the line yeah, they were like we have a lager already yeah <laughs> And it's not only easy to drink, but it's easy to enjoy. <laughs> Most important. Most importantly. Yeah. Uh, this Until is a... Until it gets a little bit warm. Yes, yes. Oh, and then it's really, really awful. <laughs> then, yeah. then all those things flip yeah. around. This, uh, this is, is a wonderful beer. and citrusy. Beer. Yeah, bright and citrusy, and it is called... Holy shit. Holy <laughs> shit. So Oli, like Ole, right? O-L-E. O-L-E. And then Chit. C-H-I-T. Now, what, it, what does Chit actually mean is there a is there a meaning to the word other Isn't than that like a little uh like a little piece of paper there or is a chit like yeah but it's also in the in the there's a process as part of the uh molting uh so for chit in that process so part um, of the molting right. do, do platypuses molt <laughs> no, but, what... <laughs> but they they do they do molt the grain so <laughs> oh uh, talking about the grain okay gotcha <laughs> Yeah, so we ha- we had a little bit of back and forth to get that name approved, but uh, <laughs> so don't ask me why. That's really interesting. Now, who who had to sign off on it being okay? <laughs> oh, our, our wonderful friends up in Austin, the TABC, have oh, to uh, have okay. to do that. And okay. and and um, to be honest, they were they were very very good about it. And they said, well, you know, in, in typical bureaucracy speech. We can't find a reason why we can't approve it. So good old double <laughs> Thanks. Leave it to government, right? Yeah. Leave it to government. That's, that's like the best compliment ever. Like, hey, that's not bad. I can't find a reason to say that that's bad. Therefore, I'm going to have to allow it. Yeah. Uh, this is a wonderful beer. So this is a Mexican lager, basically. Thank you. Yeah. So it took an Aussie to come to Houston to create a, a craft Mexican lager. Well, um, I was going to ask. What... So this is this is one of the earliest Mexican lagers uh, from a craft brewery that I ever even heard of. Because mm-hmm. You've had this. You've had this one out for mm-hmm. a while now. Right? Yeah, it was. It wasn't on our very original sheet, but it was soon thereafter. I remember. And uh, is this one that is available year round? Yes, it is. Okay. Yeah, this one, and it sells very, very well. I remember uh, this, this being one of the Bobby. newer ones. I think the first time uh, you guys were on the show, mm-hmm. and it, it was. I think it was kind of a new one that just come out. I don't remember what year that was, but. Um, yeah, and it's been going strong ever since then. Huh? It's been great. Yeah, we put some uh, kefir lime leaf in it just to give it a hint of lime. That's what I'm great, getting in there. Beautiful I beautiful like pack that a lot. full of flavor. This traditional Mexican lager brewed with, what did you call it, kefir lime? Kefir. Oh, kefir. kefir. I call yeah. it kefir lime leaf. Kefir lime. Kefir lime leaf. I call it kefir Sutherland. Has a refreshing bite sure to make you say, ole cheat. That's good. <laughs> That's good. I love it. All right, we've been able to say that. we got to take a break, and uh, this is this is wonderful. And we'll be back with more to taste, including our uh, Hatozaki small batch whiskey. Look forward to trying this one. As you notice, I have not cleared the neck, so I want to need you to proceed with caution. I, I will. All right, we'll be right back. It's smoking and toasting. Beginning. 
Welcome back. It is Smoking and Toasting. Our program is all about craft beer, fine spirits, and hand-rolled cigars. We are uh, celebrating show number 315 this week. And our guest is Sean Hanrahan from uh, Platypus Brewing right here in Houston, Texas. So you guys had, how many, say, beers you have uh, on, on tap at the uh, at the restaurant and brewery at one time? Uh, we'll have uh, 13 to 15. 13 to 15. Uh, you know, depending on where nice, the batches are at. So. That's a nice amount. That's a nice amount. How many of those are core beers that you keep how many of those uh we would have seven to eight cool seven to eight that, yeah. that are there pretty much all the time yeah yeah, yeah very nice you well, know we joke about the fact that you sometimes unwrap these before yeah <laughs> but there's this one was kicking my butt a little yeah, bit I, I saw you struggling with it a little over there <laughs> and so i apologize i should have done that because the truth is guys I really do care about safety you. first. Well, I do. I care about. Well, you. yeah. I, I mean, it's I, easy. I, like the, the edges of this plastic that I have to yeah, tear off the very the top easy to get a paper can, or uh, can cut. give you a paper cut. Yep. And then the neck of the bottle has some liquid in it, so when I go to pour it, there's there's a small chance that there's going to be spillage. What he's getting at is that often when I bring in a bottle, I have taken the safety step of removing the all time that plastic and, effort. and removing some of the liquor from the neck of the bottle so that he won't it's, be it's for safety, safety. it's for safety yeah, yeah. It's, for, it's osha is what it is but no i do care about you guys i i do in fact not only do i try to you know most of the time at least uh, abide by the uh safety uh precautionary steps of smoking and toasting but i also <laughs> care about you because i'm i'm giving you whiskey here today because ingredients derived from whiskey have been shown to have positive effects on a person's skin and I'm not making this up. This is not, again, it's not one of those parody sites. This is for real. They say in this study that whiskey includes, the benefits include minimizing puffiness and inflammation, taming redness, and protecting against free radical damage. So I didn't have to go see the doctor after that. Oh, we're not talking about that. Yeah, no, we're not talking about that. <laughs> specifically <laughs> although that sounds like a pretty free radical damage thing to me but but maybe that's just me uh no scientists at aberdeen's robert gordon uh, university found that the whiskey making byproduct pot ale which is also used for animal feed by the way had antioxidant properties when applied to the skin and i will say when i drink whiskey i very often do spill some onto my skin a little bit on the hand sometimes the chin you just kind of rub it in you know right i can see that and also mm -hmm. like i i prefer to uh antioxidant the inside yeah the, exactly that's important too uh, the researchers think this is the first study of its kind to use whiskey byproducts to examine cellular antioxidant capacity but it's a pretty big breakthrough whiskey can be good for your skin so you got whiskey and you got rubbing whiskey yeah that's right and if you and if you get pulled over you can all say no officer i was i was, I was treating my I skin was cleaning a wound <laughs> i was that's not my pores that's the uh yeah that exactly exactly now is there any surprises came out of aberdeen a study out of aberdeen right exactly <laughs> <laughs> you gotta love that right uh all right we're not uh, drinking whiskey from scotland today though we're drinking whiskey from japan ian you are uh, of all of us on the show i think probably the foremost whiskey expert uh, what are you getting on the nose? There? I don't know what I call right, myself whiskey expert, but I'm going to go ahead and uh, leave that. Out. So the nose is very, very malt brown, soft malt. Yes, it's very malt. Kind of uh, vanilla layered over top of it, and a little creaminess going on. So, almost a, other than the fact that it and, obviously originates from Japan, is there are there characteristics to Japanese whiskey kind of like there are characteristics to Scotch, for example? 
Where there's characteristics oh, of Irish the whiskey. peatiness is so good. Yeah. Like, yeah. it's so soft and delicate. So, uh, okay, so those words I just used, the, 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 the delicate nature of of whiskey uh the japanese whiskeys i think kind of excel at that side of at things. that they sort of very they are very detail oriented delicate in their whiskey uh, and, sort of a, and it really comes across in a whiskey and this right here i was has, not it has i think a near perfect balance i was not expecting the peatiness that was that was a surprise to me but it is very nicely balanced. It, there's a lot of it there, but it it still doesn't kind of sock you in the face like uh, some, you know, like a Lafrey or face. something. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Yeah. But I'm Jim. Thank you. Uh, but no, seriously, the uh, it's not as pronounced as like if you're talking about a Lafrey or something like that, right? No, no, no. Lafrey, like we would have all smelled it as soon as I opened the bottle. Mm -hmm. Like everyone would have, like half of us would have gone, uh, it smells like. Band-aids and dirt, but um, and Ian would have said, "I want some." <laughs> <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> uh, and 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 uh, the PD note has been described as medicinal, uh, like you know, like that that kind of kind of when you walk into the the stark white doctor's office, kind of right <laughs> thing. Right. But that's not necessarily a bad thing either. There's, there's certain uh, certain notes people really enjoy. This this right here has I such a nice delicate balance of all those things the vanilla on the back end is so fun you know i don't usually find that much vanilla when you have um something that with this much peat in it as well right absolutely and uh, and it's an interesting contrast there's also a little bit of pepper towards the back too that i'm finding yes. that, that yes, just I've got a little of that on the has palate a little now. bit of a kiss of that and, mm -hmm. and then this really beautiful uh uh warmth that comes up a little later it's mm -hmm. it's this is a really fun whiskey i think uh, Japanese uh, whiskey in general, if you haven't tried it, if you like the more delicate side of whiskey most of the time, that's going to be it. Now, it's not that that's what they make all the time, but that they excel at this kind of super at balanced, sort of style. Like really yeah. precision engineered whiskey, if you will. About a $60 bottle. Yeah. Um, I would say worth it. That's yeah, yeah. it's delicious. Yeah, it's it's the it's, aftertaste it leaves is fantastic. Yeah, yeah, it really is. It really is. I also noticed that it's very light colored. Very, uh, very yeah, very like very straw pale color. straw. Mm -hmm. Very pale straw, which surprised me a little. But uh, uh, let's but see, let's especially see what it says for on the Lighthouse, the oldest stone lighthouse in Japan, has been a guide for sailors navigating turbulent waters before the port of Akashi. Yes, since uh, 1620. A little bit of history on that one. Mm. Um, uh, it's a symbol of dependability, openness to the wild, wider world, and the trade, which uh, enables the exchange of goods and ideas. We chose this lighthouse, which stands so close to our distillery, as the perfect icon to represent our whiskey. It's interesting because you also get that. It pops into my head, too, just talking about Japan being the island. You also get a little of that saltiness that you yes, get. Yes, there is. Well, but you get a little bit of that in Scotch whiskey yes, as well, yes. that sort of seaside vibe. And especially the Ela and the, mm -hmm. uh, and, and the, um, and the uh, Campbelltown and things like that. They're very close. But uh, I, I really do enjoy this. I, I've, I find that, you know, I, I, still, I still struggle a little bit with the big peaty. Scotches. I can drink a little bit of them and enjoy it, but it's not something that I find I often would would choose. You, you're just not looking at it right. It's but easy. Then, you just pick it up and drink it, so it's easy to drink. Easy to drink and easy and to enjoy. I bet you just say, "Wow, that was good." See, it's easy to enjoy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we have a theme going on today. Uh, well, and and it just points out the stupidity of that slogan because you could apply it to anything. You know, I love the uh, unless it's horrible. The artwork on this bottle is real beautiful too. You can see it's a it's a representation of the sea. Um, 
the sea crashing against the mm-hmm. shore with the lighthouse in the background. It's well, actually really, the, really pretty. Hadazaki is a lighthouse in Japan. Yes. That's what you were saying from uh, from reading that. Uh, no, I enjoy this. To me, this uh, this just sort of hint of peatiness is perfect for kind of where I'm at on the pedometer. You know what I mean? <laughs> the pedometer? Yes. Yeah. Nice. That could mean different things let me say, in different places. Let me do, let me be careful. With may, that. Let me repronounce it: the pedometer, not the <laughs> pedometer. Yeah, let's just let's just make that clarification here on the program. It's all about emphasis on the right syllable, yeah. isn't it? <laughs> yeah. What did they say about the correct emphasis on, on the, the right proper syllable? syllable? That's yeah. the syllable. Uh, yeah. It's slightly overproofed at 46 percent. Yeah, but so. but it's and it's a small batch. It's, I think it's really good. I'm going to uh, enjoy uh, you know a little more of this here. I think in the segment, this is uh, this is pretty darn good. Agreed, pretty darn good. Um, let me ask you about uh, about platypus uh, brewing. So you're at a you're at a position now where you've got you got a very healthy business at your restaurant and and brewery. People coming in, you guys stay fairly busy, right? Uh, yes, that's right. Yeah. yeah. So and you're now in. Thankfully. Not only the beer and wine shops, but in most of the, you know, major grocery store chains and stuff in the greater Houston area. What's next? Do you look to push beyond um, um, Houston? And and uh, I have a second question, too, but let me ask you that one first. Okay. Yeah, in terms of that, look, for right now, um, we're exploring opportunities uh, in the greater Houston area. Um, so that we actually, we just had a meeting as recently as boring as this is in a couple, a couple of weeks ago with the partners to talk as boring about. as this is no gosh as, as, as boring as uh, talking about strategy and so uh, forth no, but, no, uh, I, I, but I find that stuff interesting because um with with craft beer becoming such a hyper local uh, uh phenomenon I'm I'm curious about okay how do you get when you get to the point where you go okay let's take the next step what does that even look like in today's uh, classic uh, environment for for craft beer yeah look uh, well I can certainly answer that in terms of what it means for platypus and and as much as as we're pushing with with craft beer again for us it's the bigger experience and it's around the retail so having the mm-hmm. the restaurant and the brewery uh, all uh, melded together and that's what we're going to focus on. Distribution for us is important, being in the stores, but in terms of where we we feel we can push forward uh, for for our brand is certainly in that what we would call the retail space. Mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. So so the restaurant and bar and so forth. So we're, we're looking around and 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 talking as a as a partnership group as to to what's next for us in this greater area. Of course, my original vision was always to have an international um, aspect to to mm-hmm. platypus brewing. Sure, um, you know, branding is important. Let's face it. We spoke about Chevys and and beers that are talking about lifestyle and mm-hmm. it's it's anything sure, but absolutely. the actual product, right? Mm-hmm. So branding is important, and so for me, it was always about build. Let's build a brand that can be you know recognizable as as you know it's uniquely Australian, and we can do that in an international context. So it's something that I put my toes in the water pre-COVID and COVID mm-hmm. sort of smacked that out, yeah. out of the room. <laughs> it did that with a lot of things. <laughs> with a lot of yeah. things. So we had to sort of bring everything back and, and, and focus on that. And that's what we're doing. Yeah. And now we can we can start to move forward again. Would you but have- there's, there's a lot of breweries too that uh, like because of the COVID thing, a lot of breweries actually didn't survive the COVID thing. So right. I think it kind of, and it is, it's a harsh way to put it, but it kind of flushed the waters a little bit too and left a little more space, I think. Mm-hmm. Well, it's still it's still a busy busy space, and uh, you know as as we mentioned earlier, 
hyper-local and having different representations of the industry. So mm-hmm. having a neighbourhood pub versus a, a restaurant and brewery model, there's there's still a lot of room for that, I think. And, you know, if done properly and, and there's there's so many good products and brewers around town and, yeah. and companies that do that well. So, uh, you know, in terms of where do I see the industry, I, I don't see it fragment too much, but I do see some specialisation in neighbourhood pubs versus mm. retail. What God, are you good yeah. at? Let's right. go back to that. Focus on that. Focus on that right. in some, the different things you're offering at the pub location. That's some it. places have a destination brewery like your place with the with the uh, uh, restaurant and everything like that. Some places have a tap room right. that opens up and people can go hang out. And the, and the brewery is built to to make more beer than have tap room so to speak mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. yeah that's Absolutely. exactly right that's exactly now right. let me ask you this would you ever consider now that you're established you know in the united states would you ever consider opening a sort of sister brew pub and brewery and restaurant in brisbane oh, i think that would be the ultimate uh, for me so uh, that you've got the you like you like you talk about with your beer you've got the australia what is what is the saying on the beer oh it's it, it's, it's uh, brewed uh, with texas heart and australian soul right so so you could would that resonate in australia do you think i think it absolutely would and and specifically where it would is you know i've got so much respect for for the us craft brewing industry and it's mm-hmm. truly the leader in, in craft it brewing it really is great because germany and and you know belgium they really had it all for a while and and now they're taking their cues from the American craft beer scene. That's yeah, right. We've, yeah. we've pushed the entire as we as United States have pushed the entire industry. Like even even uh, Guinness mm-hmm. makes an American style ale right mm-hmm. now. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah, I mean, it's, it's, what does that say? Guinness has been around for ever. Yeah, you know? a long exactly. time. But I think if we we have the Aussie, and if if we had the Aussie in Australia, but we had that US component to it, mm-hmm. that again provides that level of of uniqueness, uh, where right, right, where you can be Texas, using the US hops and whatnot. Texas is perceived as being an interesting and fascinating place. I know by people in the UK, I would assume that that carries over to Australia. Is there some some you know curiosity about Texas there? Yeah, there's very much a um there's a closeness actually between cultures of Australia and Texas because of the the laid back work hard, get it done, but with it, without all of the emotion and around it. And then let's party. Yeah, yeah that's mm-hmm. right. Whereas, you know, I'm not sure you could say that across all, all fifty states well, here. But when you need your Texas spokesman, I do own a hat and boots. Mm-hmm. Go for and it, and I have, and I can ham up the Texas accent. Oh yeah, you oh, can totally do that. <laughs> they would truly like. Now yeah, let me ask you it. this: I've always wanted to ask someone <laughs> who really is from or understands Australia this question. This whole crocodile Dundee thing—that that was just BS, right? They're like that—that that is not. Re- that's just about as representative of uh, Australia as. Uh, uh, I don't know. Uh, J.R. Ewing was of Texas. <laughs> <laughs> uh, pretty much, yeah. Uh, okay, uh, you know, I thought so. Wonderful sales pitch for our country, actually, because it sort of put us on the map in terms of tourism. So it was, uh, it was very good yeah. from that that perspective. Who wouldn't um, want to do a walkabout, right? Yeah, but uh, to see those those types of characters up there, you know, you will find one or two in the woodwork. But no, it's it's obviously <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, a bit yeah. of Hollywood on that one. Yeah, that's 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 what I figured. Well, um, I I'm really enjoying this uh, this whiskey. It's quite good. I, it really is quite good, and I think at at its price point, I think lives up to uh, lives up lives up to what it costs. I think, uh, in fact, you know, I'm I'm noticing this evaporation technique mm. that you uh, were mentioning earlier is is striking me once again. Um, let it not be said that we uh, 
that we don't combat evaporation to the best <laughs> yes. of our ability <laughs> best we here can. On, on smoking and toasting. Um, <clears throat> what do you see as the future, as craft beer um, begins to move into its next phase? So we had we had the explosion phase. We had the IPA phase where everybody had to make an IPA. And, and by the way, I would say bless them for that. Ian would probably grumble about it. But, too many uh, IPAs yeah, out there. Yeah, it's, it's only too many in, in the case that, you know, it's keeping you from your other beers. You want to make me happy? <laughs> brew like four different barley wines, about three different porters, and two IPAs. Okay. And a stout. All right. I'll give you. I'll and give you three. <laughs> I'll give you three and a half IPAs, and we'll we'll, we'll balance We're bargaining this out. Here. We're bargaining. We're no, but seriously, IPA is an, an incredibly <laughs> popular uh, style of of craft if beer. Me, That's the reason there are so many. You started a brewery. It'd be all IPAs and barley wines. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> <laughs> People would be like, do you have a Blondale? No. no. <laughs> Get out. <laughs> do you have a Porter? No. <laughs> IPAs and barley wines. Uh, seriously, we should we should totally do, we should totally get together and have Platypus do uh, a smoke and a toast in IPA and a smoke and a toast in barley wine. And we could put... Uh, did you see the look on his yeah, face yeah. when he we said could, barley wine? He's like, I don't know how we do that. <laughs> but we'll I was thinking, uh, we work it out and then we could like superimpose your head on the platypus. On there the can. can. There we go. See, wouldn't that, that be cool? That would be amazing. Ian the platypus. And get people like to that. spot the difference. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, absolutely love it. All right. We are going to uh, take a break. Drinking news is right around the corner. Remember our uh, drinking news uh, teaser headline was, please stand by for a message from the president. So we have that coming up. And as if all of that weren't enough, we now have the uh, the specialty brew coming from Platypus. So I'm very, very excited about getting into this. And I heard, Ian, not for nothing, but I heard it might be an IPA. I'm excited. <laughs> we'll be right back. It's smoking and toasting. Welcome back. It is smoking and toasting. Our program is all about craft beer, fine spirits, and hand rolled cigars. We are very excited to already be at show number three hundred and fifteen. And we will remind you that since that is halfway to 333, our 333rd show is when we're going to do our, uh, it's, it'll be the second really big anniversary. It's going to be madness. Celebration. Yeah, we did this on the 100th show. We invited everyone on who'd ever been on the show up until that time. And we wound up going like almost four and a half hours. And uh, there were many Ubers ordered to get people <laughs> uh, to get people home. Because what happened was, is everybody came and they brought cigars Stuff. and they brought whiskey and they bought rum and they bought uh, Beer beers. And, and, yeah. and we everybody just had great fun just sort of trading with each other and sampling, uh, the, sampling the other's wares. Well, you know, and it was... It was just remember we had the long table set up yeah yeah and, and it was just like we would start talking and then as people just wanted to move on and someone else would come sit down and then they would be part of the conversation it just was this ever evolving thing it was so fun it, it really was and it 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 was pretty interesting up until i think the last hour when it sort of devolved into a discussion about <laughs> tap lines and and uh, how to keep them clean and mark nichols them. yeah and <laughs> and um <laughs> and uh, uh jeremiah and jeremiah butler from b, &B. Butler, yeah, yeah they were yeah they yeah. were going on for a while for a while about tap lines uh, that's do you when, know mark nichols by any chance 
that's that's when I feel like we maybe lost the casual consumer. He's, he's a company called Quality Draft. He uh, cleans right. draft lines and yeah, stuff like yeah, that. Yeah. Yeah. Which somebody has to do, right? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. The worst thing in the world, and I because I, I used to DJ in clubs, right? The worst thing in the world is that first oh, diet that soda bad. when they haven't cleared out the lines. Oh, oh the horrible. Bad tap line. Horrible. And I can only imagine the beer would be the same thing. <laughs> Uh, all right. So, ladies and gentlemen, uh, unbeknownst to me or anyone else uh, as to why, this segment has actually become the most popular segment on the Smoking and Toasting program. Ladies and gentlemen, it's time for Drinking News. Drinking News. Drinking News. Now it's time for Drinking News. Drinking News. Drinking News. Now it's time for Drinking News. Florida man with one arm said he had a gator for a pet. When asked about his absent arm, he said, uh, something like a gator carried it in the swamp. Oh, no, that's not what he said. See? Drinking news, <laughs> drinking news. Now it's time okay. for drinking news. We've totally watched this one, and that's my fault. You want to start that one again? Let's do it again. All yes. Right. All right. A Florida, a Florida wait, wait. man. No, before you do, hold on. Will you do something for us? Absolutely. Well, hang on. When I give you the cue, <laughs> would you just say in your best voice, I had to take my gator to the vet? Can you do that? Oh, I can do that. All right, let's do it. A Florida man with one arm said he had a gator for a pet. When asked about his absent arm, he said, uh, Oh, I had to type my guide to the vet. Drinking there news. There we go. There we go. Now news. we got it. Now it's time for drinking news. Cheers, y'all. <laughs> <laughs> All right. See, that was actually worth that was actually worth waiting that was for, awesome. right? Awesome. Yeah. I queued up the wrong one initially. <laughs> but that's okay. Mark this West Verdian accent. I like the gator better. carried it into the swamp. Yeah. That was pretty funny. Well, if you remember, that was one specific version of the song that we right. did because of a specific story. I don't even remember now. All right, before we get into today's drinking news story, I'd like to point out that this could happen to anybody. At least if they've had it enough. It could happen to you. Yeah, at least if you've had enough to drink. Uh, I'm sure that there are plenty of people who've had more than their share, have looked at another person in the bar and thought, wow, they're hot. And then, of course, woke up the next morning uh, realizing <laughs> that thought, wow. beer goggles is a very they're real not. thing. Yeah. <laughs> I've never chewed my arm off uh, to in order to make a clean coyote <laughs> ugly getaway. But I'd be lying if I said that I've never been in a situation where I thought about it. So, <clears throat> uh, listen, it could be something really simple. Maybe you, like me, have had enough to drink at a certain point that you've thought to yourself, you know what would be really awesome? A late night meal at the Waffle House. <laughs> oh, I've been there. Yeah, exactly. That's what I'm talking about. And who among us has not experienced waking up and looking at your phone to discover that you committed one of the worst drunk offenses possible? Oh, no. Texting you your ex to see if they wanted to hook up. <laughs> <laughs> but today's drinking news story may even top those. It involves aliens. <laughs> okay, we're off to a strong start. Dragons. All right. The Space Force. And of course, a Florida man. A Florida man. <laughs> yep, that's right. A Florida man from Riviera Beach had enough to drink that he became convinced that he had been given a mission from the President of the United States. That's right. Apparently, President Joe Biden had a job he needed done that was so important that he couldn't entrust it to a member of his staff or to the vice president 
or to the FBI or the CIA or anyone from Homeland Security. Instead, he apparently reached out to 29-year-old Corey Johnson of Florida. Listen, man, uh, when you have a job to get done and it needs to get done right, you got to know the right man to push the button. Mm -hmm. And he has to know which button to push. And, and he that has to apparently be from is Mr. Johnson. <laughs> he has to be from Florida. <laughs> so apparently the president reached out to him by speaking to him in his mind and gave him very specific instructions. Johnson then stole a pickup truck and drove it from Riviera Beach to the Space Force headquarters at Patrick Space, uh, Patrick Space Force Base in Brevard County near the Kennedy Space Center. When Johnson tried to get on the base, he was stopped by Space Force security, because of course he was. Uh, but he told them he told them he was no, on a mission from the White House. It's cool, man. Yeah, it's cool. He claimed, wait for it, that the president had told him in his mind that he needed to take the vehicle and warn government officials of a serious problem. That there were United States aliens fighting Chinese dragons. And the Space Force needed to do something about it and pronto. Well, yeah, I mean, who else will? Right, exactly. I'm not really sure what aliens you would consider to be U.S. aliens. I'm thinking maybe, you know, Dr. Phil or the megachurch pastor Joel Osteen or, you know, that flow chick from the uh, commercials for progressive insurance. <laughs> I've been suspicious of her for a very long time. <laughs> what about Mr. Cleo? Yeah, exactly. exactly. <laughs> but wherever they come from, they were locked in a very serious form of mortal combat with Chinese dragons. And we all know what the Chinese have done with weather balloons. Imagine what they would imagine yeah, well. the hell they would unleash with dragons. <laughs> we all know, of course, dragons can be very ferocious. Corey Johnson was arrested and charged with grand theft of a motor vehicle. <laughs> After all that. Reporting live from Florida, where, where, wait, wait, wait a minute. I'm getting a message in my head from President Biden. Oh, no. He wants me to steal a car. He wants me to drive to Walgreens and pick him up a bottle of Geritol and some stool softeners and to deliver them to the White House before Murder, She Wrote is over. <laughs> I got to get busy, folks. My name is Cruz, and that is your drinking news, drinking news. That's our time for drinking news. Cheers, y'all. I love that last chord, by the way. What is the last chord? The G7. The G7. Okay. That explains it. I love the seventh chords. Uh, Actually, I'm sorry. I'm thinking guitar. It's C7. My oh, it's fault. C7. Okay. See, I, I I don't know anything about the ukulele. I know I'm up by a fourth. Yeah. I On know guitar, to... it's a G7 shape. So. Okay. Fair enough. Fair enough. I'm, I'm glad you understand all of that because somebody has to. All right. So we're here with a man who understands beer now, and he is the uh, founder and proprietor of Platypus Brewing, a uh, really cool uh, craft brewery right here in our hometown of Houston, Texas. And before we sample this, is there any way I, I know that state laws are weird when it comes to alcohol and, and, and different <laughs> states are different. Yeah. Yeah. Crazy. But but. Is there any way we could get to the place where if someone, let's say in California, who hears the show and thinks, I really want to try that Bobby Dazzler or or, or whatever, uh, could literally go onto your website and order it and have it shipped? You can't do that right now based on... Uh, based on state laws, right? That's correct. And then if you, um, as soon as you cross state lines, you need to have a Californian distributor and then TTB gets involved, which is the federal regulator because you're crossing state lines. So it gets rather, um, I mean, you can, do, you can do a lot in this uh, wonderful free country, except alcohol is uh, incredibly regulated at all levels mm -hmm. and tobacco, as you, as you guys would know. Mm -hmm. So 
yeah, TTB, uh, what's it stand for? It's a trade and something bureau, but it's basically uh, tobacco and firearms and alcohol because yeah, it's important T-A-B-C. to put those, yeah, those three in the say, same uh, if sentence. You're, if you're smoking tobacco and, and drinking alcohol, maybe firearms should be handled by somebody else. I'm just saying, <laughs> you know, I'm just saying, maybe those don't all go together. Well, but, oh, uh, <laughs> there goes my gun cleaning night. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> exactly. I'm not actually But joking. wouldn't it be great, though? <laughs> I, I know there's services like there's Tavor, for example, where you can, mm-hmm. uh, where you can buy beers that are featured on their, their their app and they're from different different states and different places. I don't know how they're they obviously have figured out a way to get around those state laws or they've already been shut down. But but the point is like I, I don't know why these laws have to be so restrictive. Actually I do know. It's about the distributors, isn't it? It's all about distribution. Yeah. yeah. If it doesn't go through a distributor's hands, then that's money that the distributor will not make off of you. Right. Correct. Whereas but I can come to your brewery and I can buy and take home a six pack directly from you. That is and correct. And there's no distributor involved that's there. That's new though. That's what? You're right. That that only happened during uh, COVID. Yeah, but right? not not for me. Under the license I've had since I've been open, I've all, always sold beer to go. Uh, so all that what the guild and everyone did about getting these uh, to go laws mm-hmm. was only for certain classes of licenses. Interesting. But before that, I know uh, I know Brock had fought long and hard, especially from St. Arnold, to yeah. be able to go to the brewery and buy beer and take it out, which you couldn't do before. Because remember. Like 10 years ago, if you went to a brewery, you got to sample it there and you didn't get to take it home. Right. Was that 10 years ago or was yeah. that a little longer? Yeah, I mean, I think back I mean, when... It, it wasn't that long ago. You, you had could... to buy a token. You couldn't actually have exchange right. Right. money. It was just this... <laughs> so weird. I remember and very in some weird. instances you could buy a growler, but you right. couldn't... Like, they couldn't distribute their beer there. Like, you couldn't buy a, you couldn't buy a six-pack because uh, that had to go through a distributor and then through a store. I remember back in the olden days, back when the Dallas Cowboys used to make it to the playoffs. Oh, um, oh. so you can tell it's been a while, right? Like the nineties, no, no. right? I, I know they went this year, but it didn't count because they didn't win. Um, but so back back in that day, right? The um, uh, a friend had playoff tickets for the Cowboys. He invited me to come up to Dallas and go to the game with him, and I was very excited. We went. So we show up. It was a noon game, right? So we show up. We're in the parking lot. It's like eleven o'clock. So you went to a nooner. It, yeah. We're yeah. a friend. Right. Okay. And and so the the guy says, Hey, you want to get a beer? I'm like, We we can't. It's Texas. They can't sell beer until noon. He goes, Oh no, no, no. Watch this. We go over to one of these booths out there in the parking lot, right? And he says, You can't buy a beer. But he then gave him like five bucks or seven bucks or whatever it was for a stick of celery. And they gave him a beer for free. <laughs> that's just a, a work around the the liquor laws because they're seen, so weird i've seen bars open in this town that would operate under the complete assumption that you're paying for a beer even though they have to actually give it to you yeah so they would whenever you uh go up to the bar uh before they had their official license or whatever you go up to the bar and you would order a beer and they would suggest a donation amount for the beer oh i've seen bars like operate like that for years in vermont when i lived up in massachusetts went up to uh vermont for the weekend with uh, some friends went out to a mexican restaurant and bar sitting in the bar before we ate and i went over and ordered a tequila and a beer and they bring it to me i'm standing at the bar he hands me the tequila and i'm like uh can i have the beer he goes, not until you finish the tequila, it's state law. 
They can't give you two drinks, at least at that time. It may have changed. They could not give you two drinks at one time. So I had to literally say, and I was planning to sip the tequila, not shoot it, right? So I had to like basically throw that tequila back in order to get my beer. And that sucks because shooting anything pretty much sucks. It does. (laughs) It it absolutely does. It absolutely does. Except for if you're Mark Nichols and you're a guest on our show and you poke a hole in the bottom of the beer can while we're discussing something he didn't find particularly interesting and you chug the whole thing right on the beer. Yeah, 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 that that totally works. (laughs) Speaking of beer. Uh, we have moved to the IPA, and this is so. You're telling me this is not a a full time uh, beer in your line, is that right? That's correct. We bring this out um, in the uh, fall, I guess you call it, autumn yeah. winter time, right? Um, and yes, this is the one we currently have uh, in the stores. So it's cool. I, I see you had a little problem with your cup there once again. Yeah, it's just there's a mess so, everywhere here, isn't it? You know how I complain about. IPAs sometimes being a little too pine coney. Mm-hmm. Well, this one's celebrating the pineness. <laughs> the name of this is Kiss My Piney. It is, <laughs> however, sweet up front yep. and balanced. And the pine coney thing is not like stuck in my teeth. It kind of works, right? <laughs> no, but well, that's, the thing, that's the there's thing about some, it being balanced. There's some West Coast ones out there a few years back that were like, oh, come on. Yeah, <laughs> it's it's like eating the uh, uh, the pine tree in front of your grandma's yard or something, right. you know. Uh, but no, this is not that way at all. Now it is very piney, but it but it's in it's in a, a very balanced kind of way. And I'm curious as to what do you do in order to balance that? Because Ian's right. Some of the some of the extremely piney IPAs just kind of like no balance. Yeah, yeah, they're not balanced at all. How did you figure out the balance that you achieved? Yeah, yet? so it's just it's just through balancing the hops in in terms of the pine cone type type thing. So you need to to select a hop profile and the timing that you're putting these things in, uh, and balance those hops with the malt backbone that you have in there. So um, it's you know you can put too much of a Simcoe in there, for example, and mm-hmm. and you get a whole, whole Simcoe's there. Simcoe's a pretty funky hop. It is, and so you just—it's good, it. But, yeah. but yeah, I know that it seemed like during the IPA explosion, which is what I like to call it, uh, it seemed like there was this period of time where breweries were all trying to out hop each other. Yep. Like yep. I can make mine hoppier than yours. Oh, I can make mine hoppier than yours, and not all of those were good beers. No, you know? a lot of them were quite bad. And the, yeah, the buzzword was dank. I mean, right? This and was I the... like—I like a little bit of dank in my yeah, life. Yeah, but dank but... is a specific thing, and dank can be good. Yeah, mm-hmm. but to me, it was—it was a bit overdone. But but that's that's the, that's the wonderful thing about craft brewing is 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 you've got a bunch of guys and gals out there testing the boundaries of yeah. this thing and then bringing right. it back to a balance. So. Um, Sean, what is your most popular beer that is not available year round, or at least not in in stores? Most popular beer, it, it does tend to change. Yeah. Um, so, for example, we have a coffee porter on right now. So oh, it's it's very kind. seasonal. And mm-hmm. we use a local coffee shop there, and it's all cold uh, cold brewed and put in there. So oh, nice. that's called Stars at Night. Uh, that's that's a very, very popular beer. And we have a Blackberry Hazy IPA. Um, oh, which, which A Blackberry Hazy. That does sound good, doesn't yeah, it? Yeah, it's really good. So that's not year-round, of course. These are just things that mm-hmm. we bring in at certain times of the year and the, and the different types of seasons. So, so. this uh, Kiss My Piney is a seasonal, you said? This will be seasonal. So it's typically around November, December I'll bring that out. Okay. So what what replaces this one when it goes away? Uh, in about a week's time, a week and a half's time, I'll have the Kolsch. Mm, so the Stella mm, Ella Kolsch, which is that it's that time and of I've year. I've had that. That's a wonderful beer. Yeah, it's just nice. It's great for the summertime too. Yeah, yeah. good Aussie hop. Which again, guys, so. it's coming. Summertime is on the way. I'm telling you, we're gonna get there. I promise. I mean, I woke uh, up. It was 56 degrees 
when I got here, it was 80 degrees in my truck. Yeah. <laughs> and when you leave, it'll be like 13. So that's <laughs> Texas for you. All right. We are going to take a break and we'll be back to wrap up the show. But uh, man, thank you so much, uh, Sean, for being on the program today. This has been great fun and we love your beers and, and we want you to come back anytime you want to. So. Thoroughly enjoyed it. Thank you. All right. We'll be right back at Smoking Absolutely. and Toasting. That's because I'm cleaning too. Welcome back. It is Smoking and Toasting. Our program is all about craft beer, fine spirits, and hand-rolled cigars. Uh, getting ready, by the way, we talked about this a little bit last week. Uh, we are getting closer and closer to our Smoking and Toasting debut as a syndicated uh, radio program on uh, radio stations all over the country. So we're very, ex very excited about this. It's coming. We'll give you more details probably in about a week or so. So uh, speaking of a week from now, by the way, on next week's show, Abby Heim joins us. She is with an organization called Pink Boots. And if I understand this correctly, she'll correct us, but Pink Boots is all about women in craft beer. And that is going to be something that Abby will be uh, uh, talking about with us. Uh, she'll be sharing it with us and we'll all be sharing some pretty interesting craft beer on the program as well. So uh, looking forward to that. I'm I, I don't know Abby that well, but I do know her parents. So um and they're super cool. I absolutely people. love that we're gonna pull someone on the show. We're not exactly sure what they do. Yeah, but that's I, okay. I love that's it. Fun. No, no, it's okay. You know, and, and it's <laughs> it's not like we just had that damn Chris Hart guy back again, you know. So uh, <laughs> right. so there's so there's that. Um I want to say a big thank you to Sean uh Hanrahan. First of all, thank you for being on the show. But secondly, thank you for really doing something different with your craft brewery i mean you guys are i think are pretty unique as as the uh, breweries go here it's not that you're more of this or more of that you're just you just kind of have your own like vibe and image and obviously it's the whole australia texas thing but that is not it's not a gimmick because the beer is really good that's that's the thing thank you if very the much beer is really good uh then then it, it it becomes just part of your oh. marketing but i'm looking at what and the food is so oh, good. the food is great yeah the, the food, food is, is so absolutely good. great i'm just looking at the platypus i'm going imagine ian's face right there how much <laughs> fun that would be. people would be buying that beer just like well i gotta try this you know and then we make the bobbleheads. Yeah, <laughs> see, uh, the platypus body, Ian head, bobblehead. I love well, it. Well, I mean, it could be interchangeable, you know. I, I get you. <laughs> I, I'm feeling you. I'm feeling you. Uh, no, seriously, thank you, uh, Sean, so much for coming on. Now, uh, when when people come to um, your location, and you are on uh, Washington Ave in uh, in Houston, uh, when people come to your location, what is the one thing that they've got to try? Before they leave, the one thing they have to try before yeah, they yeah, leave. Yeah. If you could have, if if you get every customer, make sure they try this one thing. What would it be? All right. Well, let's just start to part from the the beer for 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 a second, and and it's going to the food. I, I think they need to try a meat pie. It's a quintessential Australian delicacy, which mm -hmm. is think of a a hot dog in the US uh, to sport like a baseball or a football. Right, right. Meat pie is a rugby or a football. So people go to rugby cuisine. games and they eat a meat pie. Yeah, uh, beer in one oh hand, gosh. meat pie in the other. Yeah, I love so that. So, like hot dogs, then do they also have like really, really, really good versions of it? And then also like you know, sometimes there's dollar hot dog night. Mm -hmm. Well, and, they, they and, and while that's something you should definitely try, yeah. 
It's not good hot dogs. What are the? What, uh, there was one. I, I forget the name of it. It's the John Candy. Uh, it was an old John Candy movie, where he's like staying in some log cabin thing or something away on a resort, and the raccoons base break into the trash, <laughs> and they start eating the trash, and they find hot dogs, and and it's subtitled, and in the raccoons are like. Are you going to eat the hot dog? And he goes, no, it's lips and buttholes. <laughs> <laughs> and each state in Australia has its own uh, claim on who has the best meat Who has pie. the best oh, meat pie? Oh, interesting. Yeah. So it's regionally. Yeah. So it's just very similar to like the hot dog around yeah, here. Yeah, they're yeah. Different. By the way, I love hot dogs. I don't care. Yeah, yeah. I don't care. I just love them. But, uh, but meat pie sounds, sounds I broke good down and did hot dogs on the grill for the game. So you got, you got meat pie available at your restaurant yes we do oh, yes we okay. do all right um, what's the best beer with the meat pie oh for me it, well for me it's a piney ah, um, i'm okay. enjoying the piney right now but it's really um, good beer i think even a, even a nice stout because we put a, a we have a steak and ale pie as well so it has a little oh. bit of the beer in it so oh i'm digging that i'm digging that and Sold. that would go that would totally go with the stout yeah. well thank you again so much sean for being on the program it has been a pleasure uh not only uh drinking your beer but having you on it's been it's been great Thanks, fun guys. and thank you and keep Keep doing what you're doing and keep uh, surprising us with fun new combinations of the Aussie and the Texan. Because what a great combo that is. Thank you guys for being here. Thanks to uh, John of the Wheels of Steel, Adam in the Sky, our producer. Thank you, everyone involved. Ian, my friend, I'll see you next week. You, and, sir, uh, rock. Cheers, y'all. <laughs> it's alright when it's okay. Yeah, you never listen to anybody else.